Welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson and produced in the studios of WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. I'm Jeff White. This is edition NWS 670 for release on Sunday, December 26, 2021. On the program today, three international radio weddings, major American shortwave stations in 1925. We'll have DX reports and much more, including a preview of New Year's Eve. Well, the first international radio wedding in our program today took place in Perth, Western Australia, on Saturday, October 2nd, 1926, and it was described at the time as the first radio wedding in the history of Western Australia. Back during that era, many radio weddings were broadcast live on radio in many parts of the world, and Ray Robinson tells us they were sometimes described as a publicity stunt to gain an increase in listenership. Thanks, Jeff, but not all radio weddings were just simply a publicity stunt, and the 1926 wedding in Perth, Western Australia, carried a historic significance. The bride was Miss Dorothy Brown, and she was employed by the quite new commercial radio broadcasting station 6WF, the first station in the state. That station, 6WF, had been inaugurated just two years earlier, during the evening of Wednesday, June 4th, 1924. The station was installed in the Westralian Farmers Building, hence the call sign 6WF, and the chief engineer was Walter Coxon, who'd made the first radio broadcast in Australia back six years earlier at the 1918 Royal Show in Perth. His experimental demonstration of radio programming was broadcast and received across the width of the showgrounds. When 6WF was inaugurated, the 100-watt transmitter was tuned to 240 kHz longwave, and it was claimed, incorrectly we might add, that it would provide adequate coverage throughout the state of Western Australia, the territory of which extends to one-third of the entire continent. The station was inaugurated by the state premier, Mr Philip Collier. The October radio wedding that was broadcast live by longwave commercial 6WF was conducted in the St Andrew's Presbyterian Church at 36 St George's Terrace in Perth, and the groom was Jack Hallam, a young member of a prominent business family in Perth. Jack was also a highly successful photographer back during that era, and he himself staged all of the photography at his own wedding. The ornate wedding cake at the reception in the large church hall featured actually two separate cakes that were connected with a small double antenna system, which was symbolic for the bride Dorothy and her employment in the 6WF radio station. That was the story of the first radio wedding in Western Australia, and the station is still on the air to this day as ABC Regional Radio 6WF, now with 50 kilowatts on 720 kilohertz. (laughs) 
Jonathan Beale with ABC News. Good morning. The Perth's weather mostly sunny today, winds southeasterly, 15 to 20 kilometres an hour. Our second international radio wedding in this edition of WaveScan takes us to Wellington, the capital city of New Zealand. The studios for the new commercially operated radio station with the familiar call sign 2YA were installed in the Wellesley Club building at the corner of Waring Taylor and Featherstone Streets and the 5-kilowatt transmitter, also on 720kHz, was installed at the top of Mount Victoria in a very strong cement building that would withstand heavy windstorms. Two strong self-supporting towers carried the antenna system. At the time, it was intended that 2YA would provide adequate radio coverage for the entire Dominion over both islands. However, it was soon discovered that coverage on the west side of the South Island was inadequate due to the high mountain range, and listeners there obtained their radio programming from medium-wave radio stations in Australia, those that were near the eastern coast of the Australian mainland and on the island of Tasmania. The first broadcast from 2YA in Wellington, New Zealand, was a test transmission on July 9, 1927, with a sports commentary on the Ranfurly Shield match between Hawke's Bay and Wairarapa. The station was officially inaugurated by the Prime Minister, the Right Honourable Mr J.G. Coates, just one week later, on July 16, 1927. One of the most popular announcers on 2YA back then was schoolteacher Miss Gwen Shepherd, who addressed children of all ages as Auntie Gwen. The 37-year-old high-profile radio celebrity was married to the Australian-born businessman Mr Bruce Stennett at St Paul's Cathedral in Wellington on Wednesday, January 29, 1930. It stated that 2,000 people attended the wedding ceremony, hundreds or maybe thousands of children lined the streets for the wedding processions, and 30,000 heard the wedding service on radio. Auntie Gwen, that is the now Mrs Gwen Stennett, broadcast a message of goodwill over 2YA to all of her radio children all over New Zealand from the location at the wedding reception. That was the story of the first radio wedding in New Zealand. Our third radio wedding in this edition of International Radio Weddings in Wavescan took place during the middle of the last century. There was an American sailor during the tragic events of World War II and wedding plans were made for him and his wife-to-be, Miss Dorothy Springer, who lived in Washington, Pennsylvania. However, the sailor was suddenly shipped out to sea and unfortunately there was no wedding. His ship served in the Pacific during World War II and it was sunk by enemy action. His fiancée, Dorothy Springer, received word that he'd died, along with so many others in the loss of the American Navy vessel. However, unknown was the fact that in reality he was taken prisoner by Japanese forces and he was still alive. After the end of the Pacific War, the sailor was repatriated to the United States, where he spent some time in hospital recuperating from his wartime experiences. His thoughts went back to his bride-to-be, but he no longer had her address. While reading a magazine, he came across the name of a person living in Washington, Pennsylvania, so he wrote a letter asking if he could find Dorothy. When the Washington resident received the letter from the convalescing sailor, he took it to medium-wave radio station WJPA in Washington, Pennsylvania, and showed it to news editor Stan Progar. 
WJPA placed an announcement in their radio programming asking for contact with Dorothy Springer. Within an hour, she responded. And yes, they made renewed plans for a wedding, and radio station WJPA did broadcast the event live. Medium wave radio station WJPA was inaugurated in the George Washington Hotel with 250 watts on 1450 kHz in February 1942, just four years before the post-war wedding episode. These days, this station is still on the air under its original call sign, WJPA, and on its original channel, 1450 kHz, though now with one kilowatt. They now operate from their own storefront location at the corner of Main and East Wheeling Streets, and the transmitter is located just a little out of town to the north. And we plan to tell stories of some more radio weddings next year. Well, leaving weddings now, let's go to the year 1925. During that year, there were just five shortwave stations on the air in the United States with a regular broadcasting schedule. These pioneer stations were operated by four different radio companies. Right, Ray? Yes, one was operated by Westinghouse, two by General Electric, one by Crossley, and one by RCA. The Westinghouse Company, with its shortwave transmitter 8XK in the new transmitter building at Greensburg Pike in Forest Hills, was on the air regularly with programming from medium wave KDKA. The new shortwave transmitter was rated at 30 kilowatts, the shortwave antenna was a hollow copper tube, and the radiating channel was frequently 63 metres. During the year 1925, Westinghouse broadcast a series of special programmes beamed to other countries, including England, France, Germany and several countries in South America. Birthday wishes were transmitted to the Prince of Wales in England on June 22, 1925. During July, they entertained the American naval fleet of 56 ships with musical programming and news while they were cruising in Australian waters. The two major shortwave transmitters operated by General Electric at Schenectady in New York State had been installed in a new building at their large 54-acre site in South Schenectady that was constructed specifically to house these two units. Station 2XAD with 25 kilowatts was constructed for use in program broadcasting in the region of 14 megahertz, and 2XAF with 40 kilowatts was constructed for program broadcasting in the region of 10 MHz. However, as monitoring results back then indicated, the shortwave frequencies for both 2XAD and 2XAF and all of their experimental transmitters were somewhat flexible, and power levels could also be adjusted. The program production and on-air studios were installed on the fourth floor of Building 36 at the GE factory site in South Schenectady. Usually their programming was a twin relay from medium wave WGY, though on some occasions the shortwave programming was a separate production. With both shortwave transmitters on air simultaneously, their programming was often heard at a good level in Europe, South America, South Africa and the South Pacific. There were many occasions when a local medium wave station in a distant country would relay the American shortwave programming to their own local listeners. 
During the year 1925, General Electric at Schenectady was operating, surprisingly, a total of nine different radio transmitters, with as many as seven on the air at the same time. The output from each transmitter was fed into a separate antenna. That cluster of experimental radio transmitters was in use for program broadcasting, for Morse code communication and for experimental transmissions. Here's the list of the nine radio transmitters that General Electric operated in Schenectady during the year 1925. Number one, with call sign WGY, was a 2 kilowatt unit on 379.5 metres, 790 kHz, which was used for program broadcasting. Number two, with call sign 2XAG, was a 50 kilowatt unit, also on 379.5 metres, 790 kHz, which also was used for program broadcasting WGY, but at experimental superpower levels. Number three, with call sign 2XK, was a 10 kilowatt unit on 109 meters, 2753 kHz, which broadcast Morse code and a program relay of WGY, and at times experimental television transmissions. Number four, with call sign 2XAF, was a 40 kilowatt unit operating on 41.88 meters, 7165 kHz with Morse code and a program relay of WGY. Number five, with call sign 2XAZ, with 100 watts on 214 meters, 1400 kHz, was used for Morse code communication and mobile transmitter remote broadcasts. Number six, with call sign 2XAC, was a 10 kilowatt unit on 80 meters, 3750 kHz, which was used for Morse code amateur communication. Number 7 was 2XAD, a 25 kilowatt unit operating on 21 meters, 15,000 kilohertz, with Morse code and a program relay of WGY. Number 8 with call sign 2XAW was a 600 watt unit operating on 15 meters, 20,000 kilohertz, with Morse code and experimental high frequency transmissions. And lastly, number 9, with call sign 2XAH, was a low-power unit operating on 1560 meters, 192 kilohertz long wave, with Morse code and other experimental long wave transmissions. The Crossley shortwave station 8XAL at Harrison in Ohio, near the state line with Indiana, was on the air during the year 1925, with 100 watts on 5690 kHz. At that stage, programming from 8XAL was always, and only, a parallel relay of the new 5kW medium-wave WLW, which had been installed simultaneously in the same farmhouse building. The studios for WLW 8XAL were located in the downtown Crossley Radio Factory. And finally, towards the end of that same year, 1925, RCA inaugurated its first shortwave broadcast transmitter, 3XAL, at its new transmitter facility on 54 acres of land near Bound Brook in New Jersey. Programming for this new shortwave service was also a parallel relay of a medium wave station, WJZ, in New York City. The 25kW 3XAL was noted in its international service to Europe and South America, initially on 5,000kHz. Back to you, Jeff. Thanks very much, Ray Robinson at KVOH in Los Angeles. 
Thomas Witherspoon's uh, SWLing Post has an interesting couple of pieces of news for us. He says, uh, two very important announcements. You'll know that I'm a huge fan of the annual World Radio TV Handbook, WRTH. The good news, WRTH 2022 is shipping. You can purchase a copy of the World Radio TV Handbook 2022 directly from the publishers or from a distributor like Universal Radio in the U.S., Amazon.com, or the Book Depository. Now the bad news. WRTH 2022 will be the final edition by WRTH Publications. The WRTH's uh, publisher, Nicholas Hardiman, shared the following announcement. Having produced this book for the past 24 years, we are very sorry to announce that WRTH 2022 will be the final edition of the World Radio TV Handbook, produced and published by WRTH Publications. This was a hard decision to make, and one we only made after a lot of discussion. We know that many people rely on WRTH and greatly enjoy getting the new edition every year. We realize that this news will be disappointing for many people. We want to thank you all for your loyal support over the years. So what now, says Thomas Witherspoon? I believe WRTH will maintain an online presence for years to come. I would encourage you to keep their website bookmarked. Again, you can purchase a copy of the World Radio TV Handbook 2022 directly from the WRTH's publishers or from a distributor like Universal Radio, Amazon.com, or the Book Depository. I'll add just a few personal comments. Uh, I was very sorry to hear about the end of the World Radio TV Handbook, the end of an era, as many have said. I grew up as a shortwave listener using the WRTH as my primary guide to the shortwave bands. Later on, as a broadcaster, I continued to find the WRTH very useful for information about stations in the shortwave spectrum. I remember a nice visit I had once to the WRTH offices in the Netherlands, and I've had a decades-long friendship with uh, Andy Sennett, one of the longest-serving editors of the book. Of course, nowadays you can find most of the shortwave information in the World Radio TV Handbook on the station's websites themselves or in online publications, and the online sites are often more up-to-date than any printed book could be. And the shortwave section of the book is a mere fraction of what it used to be when I started listening back in the early 1970s. But still, I love being able to hold a real book in my hands and to look through it for information about all of the stations. And I'll miss that a lot. Vous écoutez la radio pour la paix internationale. You're listening to Radio for Peace International. Bidune Azadi Rasana, Azadi Ujut Nadaran. There might be still time for you to hear a special program depending on when you hear this edition of Wavescan. Radio for Peace International in France, in collaboration with Reporters Sans Frontières, or Reporters Without Borders, is broadcasting a special program for the week of December 20th to the 26th, inclusive, including the 26th, via Télédiffusion de France's facilities in Issoudun, France. The program is targeted to Iran and Afghanistan in the Dari language, and will include music as well. The broadcast is according to the following schedule. 7255 kilohertz from 0230 to 
to 0300 UTC daily, December 20th to the 26th, with 500 kilowatts of power. And 11620 kilohertz from 1630 to 1700 UTC daily, from December 20th to 26th, also with 500 kilowatts. With that power, it ought to be heard uh, well beyond the target area. Listening reports can be sent to QSL at RFPI, as in Radio for Peace International, dot EU. Again, QSL at RFPI dot EU. Radio for Peace International. Radio for Freedom. And here's one more special you might be interested in, a New Year's Eve special coming up on WRMI from Okeechobee, Florida. WRMI presents a Pan-American New Year's Eve. It is on at 0200 to 0300 UTC, January 1st, which is uh, December 31st, the evening of uh, December 31st, New Year's Eve in the Americas, on 5800 and 7780 kHz. Luis Alejandro Ayabueno in Mexico and Uncle Bill Tilford in the United States present an hour of songs and customs from several Latin American countries, plus messages from several special guests. If propagation permits, it should be listenable throughout the Americas, parts of Europe, and elsewhere. It will be a bilingual program in Spanish and English. From Okeechobee, Florida, we present a Pan-American New Year's Eve. Okidoki. No, no, Okeechobee. Or in Espanol, Luis? Noche Vieja Panamericana, desde Okeechobee, Florida. Tonight, music from around Latin America to bring in the new year. I'm Uncle Bill Chilford, and with me is Luis Alejandro Vallebueno. Muy buenas noches, amigos. Aquí acompañándolos desde México para toda Latinoamérica Unida. That's Noche Vieja Panamericana, Pan American New Year's Eve, at 0200 to 0300 UTC, January 1st, 2022, on 5800 and 7780 kHz. Okay, now it's time for DX News. Last week we had our Christmas special, so we didn't have time for the Bangladesh DX report. Here's Salahuddin Dalar. Dear listeners and radio hobbyists, welcome you to December 2021 edition of Bangladesh DX Report in Scan. This is Salauddin Dollar from Rajshahi, Bangladesh. Glad to be back and thanks for listening. The receiving log of different radio stations. December 2nd, 2021. Voice of Vietnam, Vietnamese service closing announcement by OM and YL was heard at 1555 UTC on 7220 kHz, the SIO code was 433. IRIB Tehran English service opening announcement with music was heard at 1605 UTC on 7300 kHz, the SIO code was 333. Vatican Radio Armenian service OM presenting report was heard at 1650 UTC on 7360 kHz, 
फ्री यूरोप रेडियो लिबर्टी भाया उदम थाई ताजिक सर्विस सॉन्ग वाज हार्ड एट 1625 यूटीसी ऑन 7475 किलोहर्ट्ज देसाई कोड वाज 444 वॉइस ऑफ अमेरिका दीवा रेडियो भाया बिब्लिस वाइल्स टॉकिंग इन पश्तु वाज हार्ड एट 1627 यूटीसी ऑन 444 Radio Farda Persian service news headline was heard at 1630 UTC on 7580 kHz BBC Bangla Bhaya Kranji Singapore mailback program was heard at 1657 UTC on 9585 kHz the code was 433 All India Radio Bengaluru Persian service Hindi film song was heard at 1700 UTC on 9620 kHz the code was 333 Radio Free Asia Korean service was heard at 1750 dxbangla at the rate gmail.com the address again dxbangla dxbangla at the rate gmail.com okay i will come with more dx news in the next edition till then take care salamdin dollar rakshahi bangladesh and we end way scan today with a new year's eve song cinco para las doce which means five minutes till midnight by Nestor Savarse from Venezuela. Thanks for listening to Wavescan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Adrian Peterson. Next week, bird calls on shortwave and our DX report from Japan, among many other things. Several QSL cards are available for the program. Send your AWR and KSDA reception reports for Wavescan to the AWR address in Thailand. I'll give you that in a moment. And also to the station your radio is tuned to. WRMI or WWCR or KVOH or Voice of Hope Africa or to IRRS Italy or the AWR relay stations that carry Wavescan. Remember, too, you can send a reception report to the DX reporters when their segment is on the air here in the program. They will also verify with their own colorful QSL card. Return postage and an address label are always appreciated. The email address for AWR QSLs is qsl at awr.org. The postal address for AWR QSL cards is Adventist World Radio. P.O. Box 234, Prakanong, that's P-R-A-K-A-N-O-N-G, Bangkok 10110, Thailand. 
Again, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakadong, Bangkok, 10110, Thailand. The email address for other correspondence to Wavescan, not reception reports, is wavescan at awr.org. I'm Jeff White at WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida, USA. Till next year, good listening, everyone. Se confunden sin cesar